Don Machholz, and you are listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 53 for the week of January 6, 2021. The related website for this podcast is donmacholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com, two H's. What's up in the sky this week? As our week begins on Wednesday, January 6th, the moon is half full, that is, last quarter in the morning sky. By the end of the week, Tuesday, January 12th, the moon will be at new phase in line with the sun and out of sight. On Monday, January 11th, the thin crescent moon will be pairing up with the planet Venus in the morning sky, rising an hour before the sun. If you can see the moon near Venus on the 11th of January from the Western Hemisphere, then it is about 1.7 days before new phase. But you can do better than that the next morning when it is less than a day away from the new phase. To catch the early evening thin crescent moon after it is new, the southern hemisphere is favored. The moon will be south of Saturn on January the 13th, then south of Jupiter, then south of Mercury. Speaking of Mercury, it makes an appearance in our evening sky and will be just south of Jupiter on January the 11th. Jupiter shines at magnitude minus 1.96. Mercury will be at minus 0.89, about a magnitude fainter, but still easily visible to the unaided eye in the evening sky. Watch it each evening, for just as Jupiter overtook Saturn and passed it up last month, The planet Mercury will overtake Saturn on Saturday, January 9th, Jupiter on Monday, January the 11th, and then the moon will be in the area on both Wednesday, January 13th, and Thursday, January 14th. Four solar system objects in one corner of the sky. Very cool. But catch them while they are still above the horizon. They will set while the sky is still light, an hour after sunset. Meanwhile, Mars continues high in our evening sky. In our morning sky, Venus rises about 70 minutes before sunrise and will be joined by the moon on Monday, January the 11th. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week, which for our purposes begins Wednesday, January 6th through Tuesday, January the 12th? It all depends upon your location. The ISS, International Space Station, appears as a bright, slow-moving star going across the sky with several minutes of visibility. This week we have five zones. All you need to know is your latitude. North of 55 degrees north, you won't see it at all. If you live at 65 degrees north or north of that, 
First of all, it must be cold. Second, you won't see the International Space Station until at least April. From 30 degrees north through 55 degrees north, the ISS will be in your morning sky for at least the first part of the week. Those in the southern part of that band, 30 to 45 degrees north, will see it in their morning sky sometimes twice per night. From the equator to 30 degrees north, and this includes Central America and Mexico and Northern Africa and India, the International Space Station will be in your morning sky this week, not during the first part of the week, but at least during the second half of the week. And for some of you, the ISS will also start making evening passes late in the week. From 35 degrees south to the equator, the ISS will be in your evening sky for at least part of the coming week. Those south of 35 degrees south will not see it at all. To determine where it will be in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com and enter your location then click on ISS. Now for the comets that you can see this week. The positions, that is the right ascension and declination of these comets, can be found on Podcast 48 Comet Positions. You can also get the positions of these comets from heavens-above.com. For our first two evening sky comets, this may be your last week to get a good view of them. Next week, the moon will begin to interfere with observations. Comet Howell, 88P, is magnitude 11. It is dimming in our southern evening sky. Periodic Comet Howell is plotted on podcast 53, maps 1 and 5. Comet P141 Mockholtz 2 brightened quite a bit this past week and now sits at about magnitude 10. This is rather amazing, at least it is to me. The moon had been in the sky, so it had been a week since I had seen it. On Saturday, January 2nd, I showed the comet to our sun, someday this will all be yours, with the 18-inch telescope, and it was much brighter than what it had been last week. On Sunday, January 3rd, I saw it with the same 10-inch reflector that I had discovered it with back in 1994. Then I set up my binocular chair with 100-millimeter binoculars, both 25 power and 40 power, and I saw the comet with that instrument too. So technically, Comet 141P slash Mockholtz 2 is a binocular object, but I had better not say that because the implication is that you could go out with 7x50 handheld binoculars and see it, and, and you can't. It is about magnitude 10. The comet is labeled on podcast 53, map 1 and map 5. Photos of this comet are posted on my website, as is the Discovery Story. Comet 2020 M3 Atlas remains at magnitude 10, and in the northern winter Milky Way in the constellation Auriga near the star Cap Ella. It is plotted on podcast 53, maps 1 and 2. It is a diffuse object, and it can be difficult to spot. There will be other comets visible this year, many of them P1, 
periodic comets coming back for a visit. I will be discussing them as they become within reach of moderate-sized telescopes. A recent podcast outlines this year's comets. No, it's not my podcast. It is a podcast called Observer's Notebook, the official ALPO podcast. ALPO is the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Again, look it up and listen to it, Observer's Notebook. The most recent podcast is about the comets of 2021. It's a very good podcast. The Unaided Sky Challenge this week is how dark are your skies and how faint can you see? These are two separate questions. We sometimes hear of star parties advertising that their star party site one can see stars down to magnitude 6.5 or even 7. Now for magnitude, the larger the number, the fainter the star. So a seventh magnitude star is two and a half times fainter than a sixth magnitude star. The typical person can see stars down to magnitude 6. To see stars of seventh magnitude would mean some very dark skies with some very good eyes. There is an instrument called the Sky Quality Meter, or SQM. You point it at the sky, wait a few seconds, and it will tell you how dark your sky is. The readout is in magnitudes per arc second, and the range is from 16, which is a very bright nighttime sky, such as in a city, to 22, which are very dark skies. I and you probably do not have such an instrument. If you do, then you can monitor your nighttime sky. But the question more central to us is, how faint can you see? And for that, we are going to count the number of stars we see in the great square of Pegasus, which is nearly overhead each evening from mid-northern latitudes as the sky darkens. The more stars you can see, the fainter you can see. The Great Square of Pegasus is labeled on Podcast 53, Maps 1 and 3. The three factors which determine how well you see, as I always say, are your eyes, the sky, and the telescope, probably in that order. Well, for this exercise, there is no telescope. That leaves your eyes and the skies. Individuals vary, as does their eyesight. And your eyesight changes over the years. Some of that you have no control over. You can overcome some deficiencies with patient observing and practice. The more you look, the more you see. So I'm asking you to go out on the next clear moonless night, and the moon will be out of our evening sky all week long, and count how many stars you see in the square of Pegasus. Do not count the four corner stars. Let your eye become adapted to the dark first. This might take 15 minutes. It is okay to use averted vision for this too. That is, some faint stars disappear when you look directly at them, but reappear when you look a bit off to the side. Count those stars too. Often, 
from Loma Prieta in the Santa Cruz Mountains in California, I would do this test and come up with 12 to 15 stars. But see how many you see. It might be more. It might be less. Your skies factor in on this too. After you get your number, refer to this handout, Podcast 53, Number of Stars in the Square of Pegasus, available at my website, and see how faint you saw in magnitude. Can you see down to magnitude 6, which is reported to be what the average person can do? It might not be you, it might be your skies. From a dark sky, you see more stars than from a bright sky. It's not your fault if your sky is bright at night, but for optimum observing conditions, it helps to have a dark sky sight, which is why many amateur astronomers commute from their home to a remote dark sky site for some of their observing. That being said, some incredibly good astronomy, especially lunar, solar, planetary, and variable and double star work can be done in light-polluted conditions. Our binocular challenge this week is M31, the Andromeda Galaxy. M31 is high in the sky these nights. Let's look at it with binoculars. It is not far from the square of Pegasus, and when you're out there counting the stars in the square of Pegasus, you probably will be able to pick up the Andromeda Galaxy with the unaided eye. It is plotted on Podcast 53, Maps 1 and 3. With binoculars, two eyes, high in the sky and with no moon, how long does this galaxy appear to be to you? Measure how long it is in the number of degrees. You can determine the field of view of your binoculars by using the measurements on Map 3. I've placed the number of degrees between certain stars on the map. Use that as a guide to determine the field of view of your binoculars from one edge to another. Another way to do it is to use the three stars in the belt of Orion. Each of the three stars is 1.4 degrees from the other. So the complete span of all three stars is 2.8 degrees. Now that you know the size of your field of view, estimate the length of the Andromeda galaxy. Some have traced it out to nearly 3 degrees. The other night I plainly saw it out to 2.5 degrees with the north side appearing to stretch out longer than the south side. But you see what you can see. Our telescopic object this week is the galaxy M77 in the constellation Cetus. It is plotted on Podcast 53, Maps 1 and 4. And yes, we have a lot of maps and handouts this week. M77 is a Seifert galaxy, the only Seifert galaxy in the Messier catalog. A Seifert galaxy, spelled S-E-Y-F-E-R-T, has a highly active nuclear region. They are named after Carl Seifert, who in 1943 discovered more galaxies similar to M77. 
Now, quasars are similar, but they have a more active nuclear region and they lack the rest of the galaxy. So looking at M77 is about as close as you get to seeing what's going on inside the more distant quasars. M77 is magnitude 8.9 and it's about two arc minutes across. There is a line of stars that seem to point to it. Under low magnification, it might blend in with the stars. It's so small, but be careful. It is there right next to a 10th magnitude star. It is seen nearly face on, and this galaxy does contain arms, but the vast brightness of the nuclear region overwhelms almost everything else in the galaxy. Crank up the magnification on this object. And because this object has such a high surface brightness, when we do the Messe Marathon each March, this is the first object we go after. It can be seen low in the west, uh, even in twilight, because of its bright surface brightness. Now for fun with a marathon. The Messier Marathon, the, the challenge to find and observe, all 110 galaxies, clusters, and nebula in one night is best done in March of each year when the Messier objects are best placed so that they can be seen in one night. Over 200 years ago, a comet hunter named Charles Messier compiled these catalogs, which finally totaled 110 objects. And it is possible in late March to see all of them in one night. However, a Messe Marathon can be held any night of the year. It's just that you'll see a fewer number of objects. Each month in this podcast, I'll discuss what a Messe Marathon would look like if held during the new moon weekend of that month. This month, the weekend of Saturday, January 9th, we'll see a thin crescent moon in the morning sky. So how would one go about conducting a Messe Marathon in mid-January? Yes, the nights are cold and long at mid-northern latitudes, but you can take a long break between the evening and morning sessions. And this month, we will find the least number of Messe objects of the whole year, about 88 of the 110 objects. We'll miss most of the summer Milky Way objects. They're just too close to the sun to be observed. We begin our evening in the southwestern sky, picking up M72, 73, and M30, then M12 and M15. Then we head north for M57, 56, 27, 71, 29, and 39. Then you head higher in the sky for the autumn galaxies and over to the east for the winter Milky Way objects. After two hours, you would have only seen about 45 objects, which is all the objects that are in the sky at this time. This is the time to take a nap, a long nap. Wake up again about two hours before morning twilight and then go after those springtime galaxies in Leo and Virgo, which are now overhead. Your last few objects of the night, low in the southeast just before dawn, are M9, M80, and M4, and with a little luck, M19. 
So there you have it, an 88 object Messe Marathon. That's about as good as it gets in mid-January. To recap the podcast for this coming week, the moon is thinning in our morning sky next to Venus on Monday, January the 11th, and the moon will be new on Tuesday, January 12th. Low in the southwest sky each evening, watch Mercury join Jupiter and Saturn. The moon will join them next Wednesday, January 13th. Count the stars in the square of Pegasus and with binoculars look at M31. See M77 through a telescope. The evening sky has three comets to observe. Get to them this week before the moon interferes next week. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don, podcast episode number 53 for January 6, 2021. I'm Don Machholz. Once again, the related website for this podcast is donmachholz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com. Two H's. You can contact me at Don the Astronomer at gmail.com. Once again, all one word Don the Astronomer at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. We will discuss what's up in the sky. I'll have new things for us to observe, and we'll take a good look at the moon. All that and more. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week. <laughs>